the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. It's time to sit back, relax, and listen to Conversations with Joan. Conversations with Joan will inspire, motivate, and empower you. Live your best life now. Listen, learn, think, and decide. And now, here's your host, Joan Herman. Welcome to Change Your Attitude, Change Your Life's Conversations with Joan. I'm Joan Herman. Thanks for tuning in. Conversations with Joan focuses on topics that are important to your life, from health and wellness to professional development to personal well-being. Changemakers join me to share their insights, tips, and strategies so you can thrive and live your best life now. Thank you for taking time for yourself, and thank you for letting us be a part of your life. Now, let's start talking. Every day, we get hooked by the energy of people, news, and global events. Those energies can alter our mental and emotional health, leading many who are empaths to recoil from the world. According to today's guest, Michelle Welch, rather than cutting energetic cords, we can transmute negative energies in ways that support our mental and emotional health. Michelle is the author of the book, The Magic of Connection, Stop Cutting Cords, and Learn to Transform Negative Energy to Live an Empowered Life. Welcome, Michelle. Thank you so much for joining us. Thank you so much for having me. It's great to be here. So, Michelle, you have an interesting story. You're an attorney who is now on quite a different journey. So can you tell us a little bit about what changed the direction of your life? Absolutely. I was. I took a look at my life about... Um, I don't know, maybe 12 years ago, and I just, you know, things were pretty good in my life, but I just knew something was sort of missing, and I felt I needed just a little bit of redirection in my life, not in every area of my life, but I was not being fulfilled by what I was doing at the time, Uh, practicing law, trying cases, and I just wanted more out of my life and more spiritually out of my life. And so that's kind of where it began. I can't really pinpoint the exact moment, but you know, you hear that phrase, one day I just woke up and I just kind of had this awakening of in my spirit, this stirring in my spirit of something different and that I needed a change. And that's what happened in my life. There were other circumstances going around, environmental circumstances in my life that were peripheral to that. But really, it was about what was going on internally within me. Michelle, when did you first realize that you had psychic and intuitive abilities? Well, that was at a very young age. And I didn't, you know, there's a lot of people who will put on bios. I read a lot of bios and people will say, at three years old, I knew that I was psychic or whatever word they want to use. And, and I don't have a problem with that word. I always like to say I don't have a problem with that word. I'm reclaiming that word because it's very close to the word faith when you actually look it up. Mm-hmm. But intuitive or whatever. And I didn't put that on my bio because I don't really know the exact age, but it was very, very young. And I I really, the, probably the first thing I can remember is saying things that, you know, children will say things. They don't filter anything they say, really, until they're taught to filter it. They just, it's the total truth. And I would say things about my uncle's health in particular. I said something about his brain. I put my hands on his uh, head. And I don't know if you remember that show Kojak back mm-hmm. in the day. But right. he looked like the, the actor from Kojak. Kelly Savalas. Yes, thank you. And and I loved my uncle very much. He was my godfather. And I put my hand, my little hands on his head and I said, what's moving in your brain? And turns out that a month later he was diagnosed with terminal brain cancer. And I was sent to my room because I kept just insisting something's moving. Nobody knew at that time. Mm-hmm. And it was thing after thing and after thing after that that I would say 
and it would those things would get me in trouble. So in, in my family, uh, just because I would blurt them out inappropriately and did, hadn't, wasn't really taught the boundaries of when to say those sorts of things and when not to say them. Uh, knew that I had gifts, but then they were stifled in a way just because, as we do with children, we or a lot of people do, we don't know what to do with those gifts. We don't know how to channel those. So, and in my family, it was also because of religious beliefs. So that's what happened with my with my situation. Well, and I hear that so. story quite often, Michelle. A, a number of people that I've interviewed who do work similar to the type of work you do, they had the same realization when they were a child, but they had to stifle these gifts. And so when you finally did come out that you were doing this type of work, was it accepted by your family or other people that you knew in your life? Some yes and some no. Uh, I didn't ever get... Uh, you know, the, the people that some people were very accepting, like in a funny way. Some of my lawyer friends, my judge friends, they were like, well, that explains you now. Now we get you, Michelle. You make so much more sense to us. Thank you for explaining <laughs> it to us. You know, it was just like now because I have a, a tad bit of ADHD. I mean, my mind goes in a million different directions, and I really have to zone in and hone in, you know, what I'm working on, what I'm doing. I have a lot of ideas, and it goes. And so I would be trying jury cases, and all of a sudden, I would just sort of look off because I'd see an energy or sense an energy, and then I'd be back to the jury, right? And so my judge friends or lawyer friends would be like, now we really get you. Thank you for telling me. And they are very interested in what I do. There's others who are very set in their belief system, and that's okay. You know, I don't need to push what I believe and my changes and my beliefs onto someone. I'm really strong about that. Uh, I don't feel like if if they don't want to hear what I have to say, then that's fine. When they're ready, they will, and they always do, they'll come to me and they'll go, I have this question for you. You know, could you, <laughs> could you maybe tell me about this? But I never really will push it on them. So I had a few people at the beginning and I, I also was, uh, and my ex-husband is in my book. Uh, he's mentioned, he gave me permission and everything, mainly because I was talking about work I needed to do. But um, at that time, there were some things with him that I, the he had found some crystal books and things like that and turned them into our Christian school. So it's kind of, kind of a funny school where our kids went to school. Right. And I can kind of understand that because I was teaching mock trial at the time and it was a national winning mock trial team. And, you know, if I wasn't complying with their beliefs, then I didn't need to be, te- you know, I needed to move on. And so really everywhere, There was some acceptance, and then other places there wasn't, but I wasn't going to push my beliefs on anyone. Well, you know, I would think that having that strong, intuitive ability would really be a benefit to the type of work that you were doing, because whether it be and maybe help solve a a cold case or even just have a better understanding about guilt or not for another person, I, I would think that that would really be an asset to you, was it? Absolutely. And so the thing with that is, is when, and that was from the very beginning, I graduated from law school pretty young. I think people do this more now, but back in the day, maybe it wasn't as common. You know, maybe they take AP classes or take whatever and graduate early, but I graduated from law school at 24. So I was trying cases at 24 years old. And looking back now, that's pretty young because I would, I would have people my age looking at me going, you're going to tell me about this case. (laughs) And I look at, you know, I'd be trying some big murder case and they're looking at me laughing. Like you're like, you know, nothing child, you know? So, uh, but I would, they, I really think that, that it was very helpful. And first of all, selecting juries, it was incredibly helpful. And I thought, Oh, I'm so smart. You know, and really what it was was just very intuitive. You know, yes, I worked hard. I have intelligence, but I also had a great emotional intelligence and a, a great intuitive Im- ability that wasn't, you know, that was a gift. And I was using those gifts and they were starting to come back to me even then at 24 and using them to p- p- even pick other people's juries and helping, you know, investigators now. I will say that I am not one who can put down on a bio 
like on a resume, these are the cases I worked on. The people who do that, that surprises me. I mean, each to his own. Right. In Texas, at, at least, that's something they keep pretty quiet. If I'm sitting in a courtroom, I'm watching and, and watching the jury or I'm watching the defendant or if I'm calling in something, they're going to call me. I don't just call the courthouse. Uh, you, you, because they'll get, they have to chase down every lead. So I always teach my intuitives at my store um, and the people who work for me and read for me uh, at my three stores. I teach, don't just cold call the police, but you know, with every single thing you get, because they're having to chase down every single one of those leads, right. uh, unless you really are. But yeah, it's it, it's very very helpful, and I have used it to pick juries and to and to know a lot when I was working for myself too, you know, as a young attorney. Do you think that we all have this ability? I know that as I'm aging and I'm more open to it, I can get a feeling about another person. I can, I don't know if I'm reading someone's energy or if I'm just following my intuition, but do you think we all have this knowing that sometimes we just don't pay attention to? I do. And the reason I do is because I do believe just from a physics viewpoint and, and, quantum, and as we get into you know, the quantum physics more and more that we all are connected and those those atoms even you know connected even though when they're far apart they can kind of almost read one another and I'm I'm not any kind of physicist or entanglement theory expert by any means well why can't we do that too if, if we're connected in some way one of my sons will say mom you're just really good at reading body language you're just really good at reading people Mm-hmm. You know, I'm, I'm not sure you're really psychic, and I'm like, that may be true. Uh, but then there's other, or intuitive, or whatever, you, or you have a really good gut about you. Uh, but I believe we all have that extra sense, whatever we want to call it, that probably is stifled to some degree uh, when we're born. I mean, there's proof that that pineal or pineal gland, gland that's shaped like a pine cone, that's what it's named after, which is basically our third eye. It calcifies over time. And so because we don't use it, and it, when we're younger, it's not, it's not calcified. So there, is, there have been studies on that, that that show that, yes, you know, and then we tell our children, you know, no, you don't have that imaginary friend. Mm-hmm. But I think we all do have those abilities. Yes, yeah, I do. If you pay attention to your body, you know, sometimes like I know myself, I feel it in my body. I'll, I'll feel if something doesn't feel right. I just have a sense that it isn't right. And I probably always knew that, but I just never paid attention to it before. And now I'm starting to just be mindful of it. And and I use it kind of as a, a barometer for things I should and shouldn't do, people I should work with, maybe avoid. And so far, it's mm-hmm. served me well. Well, obviously it has. You have, you've had a great career and you've done so well with your, with you know, and knowing, it, 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 I just looking at what you've done throughout your career, you've, you followed those, and that's the thing. Is some people have, you know, if we if we have it, let's just let's say we all have it. Are we going to listen to it? And that's where it even gets stickier because some of us just ignore it. Oh, that's just my imagination. I'm just thinking that. I'm just making that up. But if we will, if we'll pay attention to that inner knowingness, that's when it really pays off. When we don't, and we go ahead and work with that person that we got that red flag about, and we go ahead and go, you know, I'm going to go ahead and do it anyway. And dadgummit, if we don't later go, you know, I knew not to do that. I mean, how often does that happen to people? And that's in the book I talk about this body scan that we can do or this energy scan. And if we always do that, if we scan our energy before a meeting or before I would do it before trials, and I'm not going to tell you I always remember to do it, but I was grateful when I did, and I would know what was my energy and what was somebody else's, and then I'd really be able to know, okay, I really am picking this up from someone versus this is my stuff that I'm feeling, and I could discern the difference between the two. If someone is an empath, which is, you know, basically an antenna for someone else's energy, how do we protect ourselves so that we don't feel all of that negativity within ourselves? I think that there's like three levels, and I'll just do them really quickly. One is where we're, we are really unequipped, like I was when I was little. Uh, our, maybe our parents have no clue, and we don't even know we're empaths. And there's been a lot of inroads to let, lots of books written to let people know 
kind of what an empath is, that we lean into others' energies maybe more than other people. So that's one thing. And how they can help it is just get more educated, know they, that they are feeling these sensitivities and not be told and fall into the traps of listening to, oh, you're just too sensitive and falling for that all the time. They realize maybe I, I am a little bit different and I do feel energy a little bit more acutely than some other people. The, the next level, and this is more cyclical than it is linear, the next level would be an empath in training. This is where the empath is, and this could be at any time, any day, any moment, we could use tools because we like a bubble of protection, maybe just visualize something around us to not let negative, not even negative, but just energy that we don't want to feel and aren't ready to deal with coming at us. Uh, we could even put up walls of protection, shields, things like that. Uh, we could use crystals if people like crystals. If they don't, they could use all kinds of just affirmations to make themselves better. I, I give all kinds of things in the book that they could use, whatever someone's comfortable with. They could use oil, essential oils to help them. And this is where you're working on, and you're not ready to transmute or transform energy. You're just really wanting to block out that energy, right? You just don't mm -hmm. want to feel it. But instead of cutting bait and running, you're at least having some tools to help you. And then once we be, become an equipped empath, it's for us to learn that energy never goes away. It just changes forms. But we can change the form of that energy. And if we can practice manipulating that energy into a different form and visualizing that, then we don't have to always protect from it and hide from it or run from it. We still may want to use those tools, but we also could just say, you know, I see that energy and it maybe is just as simple as somebody cut me off in traffic. And instead of getting angry, I'm just going to transmute that into some vitality. That's a transmutation of that energy because energy is all the same. It's just us that gives it the labels with our experiential filters. You introduced the concept of becoming a superhero. What is mm -hmm. the superhero's journey and what does that have to do with being an empath? Well, it was. Um, I love that you asked that because I I felt of this those those three things that I just talked about, I, I felt that we are on this journey of life and empaths really do sometimes have to rise to the challenge. Do we want to step out or do we want to run and hide? And, and that's why I wrote the book, because I saw so many empaths coming into my stores and, and my clients too, that for energetic healings and or energetic work and saying, you know, I'm hiding from this energy. It's too negative. I can't handle it. And I wanted us to do something different. So I, I thought, you know, let's empower ourselves. Let's be superheroes, just like Joseph Campbell's uh, Hero's Journey. I thought there are levels. You know, we are going to face the, you know, the, the monster at the bridge. Do we want to cross that? And then we'll be given tools. We'll be given guides to help us, mentors. That could be an archangel to someone. That might be a goddess to someone else. That may be God to someone else. That may be Allah to someone else. It, whomever will be given that to help us, just like in the hero's journey. So I wanted to make us the empaths who were feeling kind of, to me, like they were saying, and me too, I can't a whole lot. I wanted us to realize that we really were the superheroes of our story and I feel, and it's not just me, there's been an article written since then saying that, and it was kind of controversial, and I need to be able to quote it if I say it, but um, that saying impasse may be our new leaders because, and that's what it said in the book, because the leaders need compassion. We need more compassion. And so that's where the superhero's journey came from. And a really interesting part was the synchronicity of that. I was really at the point of where I wanted to tie together this whole cyclical thing and this journey. And I had my daughter who was in law school come home and say, oh, you need to, do, to call it the superhero's journey. And I had a friend's son call who was off at school somewhere else and said, 
not even who doesn't even know my daughter say, oh, you need to do the superhero's journey in your book on the same day. And I thought, OK, that's synchronicity. I'll do it. So Absolutely. that was kind of cool. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah. The book is The Magic of Connection, Stop Cutting Cords, and Learn to Transform Negative Energy to Live an Empowered Life. If you'd like to get more information about Michelle and her work, you can visit michellewelch.com. Michelle, in our final moments, what's the takeaway? What would you like to leave our listeners with? I would really like people to know that I think most people have some sort of empathy. Uh, um, And it's not just limited to a certain group of people. I, I some people will say, oh, I'm an empath, but there's all different kinds of empath. We may feel the earth. We may feel real drawn to helping Mother Earth. We may feel very connected to animals, and that's the type of empath. So whatever kind we are, uh, or it may be that, like you said, you, you just intuitively just know people. You just know who to work with. You know what what. You know, you just have these giftings and you just know, you just know. And I want all the empaths to know that we truly can be empowered by instead of running and hiding, we don't have to be best friends with everyone that makes us feel uncomfortable. That's boundaries. And I believe in boundaries, but I do believe that we should mind our own energy first and start there and it will make us happier people people than always running and hiding from our energy. I think that's what will empower us as empaths. Michelle, thank you so much for joining us, for spending this time with us to help us become the superhero of our journey. I love that, and we should all be striving to do that. So it has been a, a real pleasure speaking with you, and again, thank you for being here. Thank you so much for having me. I really appreciate it. This is Conversations with Joan. Stay with us. We'll be right back. Do you feel lost on your journey to health and happiness? Then let us guide you on your path, personalized actions towards health. Your path is a series of choices you act on every day. We guide you on a personalized journey of dietary, exercise, genetic, supplement, and lifestyle choices that lead you to optimal health and happiness. Often taking the road less traveled leads to liberation. Your path is personal. Your journey, like you, is unique. Take action today. Head to bestpathforme.com. Again, that's bestpathforme.com. Hi, this is Joan Herman. Did you know that Change Your Attitude, Change Your Life publishes a free monthly digital magazine that can be read online or emailed to your inbox? Every month, nationally recognized leaders in their field provide information to educate, inspire, and motivate you. We believe in a holistic approach to life, incorporating mind, body, and spirit. Check out a copy of 24-7 Magazine, visit CYACYL.com, and be sure to tell your friends. We all want to live a happy, productive life, but sometimes we just need a little help. Our Coach On Call experts provide strategies to help you live your best life now. Joining me today is Heidi Rome an autism mom's coach and founder of Mom Spectrum Oasis. Heidi's Autism Hope Mindset System empowers a mom to take back her life while creating a bright future for her Spectrum child. Heidi is here today to talk about facing multiple levels of change in life. Welcome, Heidi. Thanks for joining us. Thank you so much for having me, Joan. A pleasure to be here. Heidi, you've been sharing with us many of the lessons you've learned on the autism journey with your younger son, Ethan. But so much of your guidance is for anyone who is facing a difficult challenge. What have you learned about facing change? Well, change actually means that something is now different from what it was before. You know, and everyday changes that we're used to are usually just about substituting one thing for another, you know, in response to some reason. You know, I'll I'll have pizza for lunch today because uh, instead of Chinese food, because the Chinese restaurant I thought I'd go to was closed, you know, or I changed my mind. So new circumstance, new decision, and that's usually not a big deal. However, there are changes that make an essential difference and have huge impact on our lives and can even result in a loss of our original identity, you know, who we are. 
And that's the kind of change that has the potential to shake us up and unsure of who we even are and how to be and what to do. So when I talk about handling plot changes in life, where the universe has actually changed the script of the movie you thought you were in um, and changed the role you thought you were playing, that's the overall change I'm referring to. Um, you know, true, an autism diagnosis in life is one plot change, uh, but so is the loss of a job, a divorce, a move, a betrayal or an illness. You know, who, who has moved through life without something unexpected happening? When that happens, I think the biggest problem is that we cling to the expectations of the life we're supposed to have. Like you mentioned, you know, when your son was diagnosed with autism, that wasn't the picture that you had planned for your family. So how were you able to release those expectations of what was supposed to be? Well, you know, when we got Ethan's diagnosis, it first put me absolutely over the edge into overwhelm mode. Mm-hmm. Um, and then and then from overwhelm, screaming and crying, I went into what so many of us do in the face of a huge change, which is, you know, I'm going to be a superhero. Uh, I'm going to save the world, fix it. Um, and that lasted for quite a while. Uh, but until I was so thoroughly exhausted uh, at the futility of it and realizing I was actually not curing Ethan's autism or changing the way things were, the reality. Um, That is why it became so important to me to begin offering moms and families a way to stop, you know, take a breath and breathe when major plot changes come into their lives. You were able to turn your plot change into something of benefit that helps so many others. How long did you stay in that fix-it mode, and, and when did you realize you needed to get out of that? Well, there there comes a time, you know, I was putting all this, all the effort I put into it, you know, really, you would have thought I had achieved world peace, but, you know, <laughs> the the desire to fix is more about fear, right? It's about fear, and um Fear is something that will drive anyone to do incredibly self-destructive things. And there comes a time when you have to choose. You have to choose to say, this cannot continue, or, you know, I I can't bear this pain anymore, or I can't put myself and everyone else through this anymore. And, And that's when the healing begins. What would the takeaway be? What do you want others to know? about being an autism mom so that they can apply it to their own lives? Well, you know, Joan, being an autism mom has given me a crash course in handling the script changes in my life. You know, no little girl dreams of being the mom of a special needs kid. Yet my point is that my learning on this journey can benefit any mom facing hard stuff, not only autism. With all big change, whether we label it positive or negative, there are always things to face things to release, things to do, to take care of yourself. You know, autism or any plot change in life is not a sprint, these long-term big changes. It's a marathon. And everyone, absolutely everyone, does better with a roadmap and guidance from other travelers. You know, your situation may not be exactly what mine is, But the way we overcome hard things in our lives is very much the same. You know, we... We grieve our losses, we find courage, and we learn, and we engage in compassion to ourselves and our situation so we can rise again as as the facts are known, the opportunities come, and most important, we we bind together with others who share our spirit, who, who also care that they live well right where they are. Heidi, thank you so much for joining us. We all experience the plot twists that you're talking about. I mean, change is the one constant in life. So I really appreciate you spending this time with us. If you'd like to learn more about Heidi and her work, you can visit momsspectrumoasis.com. That's moms with an S, momsspectrumoasis.com. Or as always, to hear more from Heidi, you can visit our website, cyacyl.com slash Heidi. We'll be right back. You've put your heart and soul into writing a book. You've made a substantial financial investment in getting the project done. 
and you have a beautiful publication with your name on the cover. So, how do you reach your potential readers? Introducing the Change Your Attitude, Change Your Life Book Club, a resource guide created for books that change lives. A book featured gets recognized. Change Your Attitude, Change Your Life includes the work of some of the most inspirational and influential authors in the world. Shouldn't you be there too? Let's get started. For more information, visit cyacyl.com slash book club. I want to be riding my bike. But at this moment, he's fighting leukemia. St. Jude Children's Research Hospital is saving lives with pioneering research and care. And we'll never have to pay St. Jude for anything. Please take a moment and visit stjude.org today. This is WNYF, Hackensack, New Jersey, New York City. to Conversations with Joan. I'm Joan Herman. Thanks for staying with us. As we come out of lockdown and the weather warms up, pet owners are taking their animals outside more often for hikes, camping, and even just playing in the yard. Heightened outside activity is causing more pets to be vulnerable to fleas and ticks. Joining us today to talk about natural remedies to keep our pets healthy is integrated veterinarian Dr. Carol Osborne. Dr. Osborne has pioneered the exploration of new therapies for optimum health and performance for pets. She has appeared on Fox and Friends, The Today Show, and Discovery's Animal Planet. Welcome, Dr. Osborne. Thank you so much for joining us. Oh, thanks for having me, Joan. So, Dr. Carroll, as the weather warms up and we spend more time outside, what are the major concerns for pet owners? Well, it's a great time to think about preventing fleas and ticks. Are there other things that we should be concerned about as well? Uh, Most people are concerned with fleas, ticks, and um, mosquitoes that transmit heartworm disease. Okay, so how dangerous are fleas and ticks to our pets? Not that they're so dangerous. They're more of a nuisance than anything. Um, And prevention is definitely the way to go uh, when it comes to fleas. Uh, If you're looking for natural remedies and you have a flea-free home, you can get yourself a box of borax. Cost you about seven bucks a pound at the grocery store. Sprinkle it all over your floors and your carpets. Uh, leave it on for a couple hours and vacuum it up. That will give you one year of flea-free protection within the home. Uh, that is actually very effective. So that's a valid consideration. Um, certainly, talk to your veterinarian. There are all kinds of monthly uh, edibles as well as topicals that that do a pretty good job. If you want to keep everything natural. And, you, you know, you, you did your borax. Um, there are a variety of, a variety of herbal uh, remedies out there. Um, you can make dips with uh, rosemary, peppermint, clove, and a, a variety of other herbs that are pretty effective. If you want to, you know, bath and dip your pet, uh, it's not a bad idea at all. You have to remember that fleas live in your home uh, as opposed to on your pet. They, they only jump on your pet long enough that take a blood meal, jump back down, and lay a whole bunch of more eggs. So if you're not sure if uh, you might have fleas in your house as, as the weather you know continues to warm up, you can put on some white socks and shuffle your feet on the floor. If you have hardwood floors, uh, fleas lay eggs in the, in the crevices of the hardwood. So shuffle your feet, look at the bottom of your sock. If there's little black and brown specks on the bottom of your sock that look like pepper and you get them wet and they turn red, uh, you have diagnosed your home because flea feces are nothing more than dried blood, which is why it turns red. Uh, in dogs, the predilection site is the tail, head, and groin. In cats, it's the head and neck. Um, and you can do the same thing with your pets. Uh, put your dog and or your kitty on a, on a white sheet and get one of those flea combs with the little skinny distances between the teeth and just, you know, give them a good combing and look down at the sheet. And if you see those little black and brown specks and you get them wet and they turn red, you've, you've, got, you've got your answer. Mm-hmm. And what about ticks? How can we tell if our pet has been bitten or if there's, if there's a tick that's attached to it? Well, I tell my patients to run your hands along your pet uh, every morning and every evening. Uh, and if you feel something that shouldn't be there, you know, remove it and see your vet. Ticks, you know, drop down from the brush. There are uh, conventional products like, like NexGuard, for example, which is a prescription uh, monthly chewable. 
that does effectively eliminate fleas and ticks. Um, and there are some over-the-counter products that I would be skeptical on. The big thing with ticks is that they can transmit 10 different diseases, most of which are transmissible uh, to mom, dad, the kids. Um, and, and that's the real issue. So a lot of people are familiar with Lyme's disease. Um, but in addition to that, Rocky Mountain spotted fever, uh, anaplasmosis, ehrlichiosis, the list is long. Um, so that's a very important thing to keep in mind. And depending on where in the country you live, um, the, the fleas are, are, are moving east mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, in, in bigger and bigger numbers. So it's become a, a real issue for many pet owners. Um, the other important thing, or the good news is, uh, they have to attach for 48 to 72 hours before they, in fact, can transmit disease. So if you see a tick, remove it, make sure you get the head, and uh, you can put it in a little jar and take it to your veterinarian if you want to. You can tell if they're engorged, uh, you know, because they get big and fat. They're very nasty creatures. Um, those are, um, you know, fleas suck blood and cause anemia and itching if you're allergic to them. Um, but, but ticks can really, you know, do a number on you, so to speak. So I, I think that that's a very wise consideration. And heartworms, of course, are transmitted um, by the bite of a mosquito. So we have all these, you know, products that can prevent one or, you know, one does the heartworm disease and one can do the fleas and the ticks. Mosquitoes, again, it depends on where you live. You know, in Florida and in areas where there's lots of water, uh, certainly there are lots of mosquitoes. Um, Usually, um, I'm in Ohio, so if you're in a climate with with the four different seasons, we do a little blood test each spring uh, to make sure that there are no little microfilaria swimming around in the pet's blood. So different combinations of essential oils. Um, You have to get the ones that are specifically for the dog or the cat um, that a pretty good job. Certainly natural products don't come with any type of a written guarantee, but if you have elderly pets or pets suffering from, you know, a chronic disorder, liver, kidneys, a heart situation, for example, the natural products are probably the way that you would want to strongly consider going because you don't want to put more toxic chemicals, you know, into a pet that may already, you know, be experiencing some other type of a debilitating condition. Doctor, a question for the overall health of our pets. Is it in general a good idea to give them daily vitamins and supplements? Uh, I, I think it is. I, I, um, I think vitamins and minerals and, and nutrients um, are super important. And um, I, I find in, in my veterinary practice here in Chagrin Falls, Ohio, that uh, if we get these pets on a wholesome, uh, natural diet, um, keep a lean body weight, you know, get daily exercise at least 20 minutes a couple times a day, and, and have them on a balanced, comprehensive vitamin mineral supplement, um, you can add years to your pet's life, uh, healthy years, not, not the kind of years where you're spending all your time at the vet because of all the different aches and pains that, you know, pets often experience as they age. So, you know, it's something that a lot of people don't think about, but it's following similar advice as what we tell people to do. It's exercise and a healthy diet and supplements and vitamins. Whatever we would be doing to maintain health is what we should be doing for our pets as well. Absolutely. The parameters are very similar. The difference being that your pets age about seven times more quickly uh, than you and I do. So paying close attention to those details is far more important so that uh, you can keep your best friend with you just a little bit longer. Doctor, where can our listeners go to get more information? Uh, We have a a wonderful website, drcarol.com. That'll click you over to the blog with all the articles and whatnot. Dr. Osborne, thank you so much for joining us. And thanks for having me, Joan. This is Conversations with Joan. Stay with us. We'll be right back. There can be so many factors to deal with if you have a chronic disease such as diabetes and heart disease, to name a few. Oftentimes, you can find yourself overloaded with information from your physician, from internet searches, and from family and friends. This can be overwhelming and can stop you in your tracks. Which way should you turn and whom do you listen to? 
Hi, I'm Lori Gardner, registered nurse, patient advocate, and board-certified health and wellness coach. I am the CEO and founder of HealthLink Advocates, a firm dedicated to assisting people navigate our very complex healthcare system. We also provide coaching to individuals and groups that want to improve their health and well-being. Primarily, it is essential to first listen to your physician, who is the expert on the chronic disease and is focused on helping manage the illness with needed treatments and medications. It has been said that 80% of what you hear in your physician's office, you forget. Managing a chronic disease can be complicated. Do you know what questions you should ask your physician? Does your physician ask if you understand everything and whether you are able and willing to do the needed treatments? People with chronic diseases may be depressed or in a state of denial about the disease, which can adversely affect the treatment and outcomes. Health and wellness coaches who are trained in behavior change can be a tremendous asset to a chronic disease patient. A coach can effectively determine at what stage of change you are currently in. They partner with you to facilitate the small steps you choose to take and feel you can manage. This can result in improved health outcomes and overall well-being. If you need a health and wellness coach to partner with, please contact us at healthlinkadvocates.com. Energetic patterns are everywhere in homes, workplaces, supermarkets, and even places of worship. What most people do not know is that these energetic patterns can affect our lives on a spiritual, physical, mental, and emotional level. For example, if you are generally a happy, healthy, and positive person, the energy released from you would be a higher vibration. On the other hand, if you are an unhealthy, unhappy, or negative person, the energy released from you would be of a lower, dense vibration. Imagine what type of energetic patterns are released from couples when a divorce is in the mix. If one of the couples remains in the home after the divorce, those energetic patterns are embedded in their surroundings, including the walls, furniture, and even the bed that both of you slept on. If one of the couples moves out, the furnishings they take with them are still carrying the energetic patterns from the divorce. When a divorce is at hand, the best way to move forward in your personal environment is to have your space cleared professionally with the intention of healing on all levels. Space clearing will remove old stagnant vibration energy and replace it with a new revival vitalized energy, creating the feeling of a clean, fresh start. Remember, this is your space and your time. Your space should reflect who you are and your goals in life. Starting your life over can be a cathartic experience. Embrace the moment and make it count. This is Roxanne D'Angelo, a certified and intuitive feng shui and space clearing consultant. If you'd like more information, you can visit me on the web at crystalclearenergies.com. Are you feeling anxiety about going out as we slowly emerge from quarantine? Did you know hypnosis can help you get the control back from anxiety, fears, and negativity? Hi, I am Mary Beth Battaglia, a certified clinical hypnosis practitioner at Metro Hypnosis Center, and I help people work through traumas, fears, panic, anxiety, and stress. I tell all my clients, you need to move forward at your comfort level and not compare yourself to others. We need to be respectful of each other, realizing the past year has been challenging for everyone and each of us has been affected differently. Reducing the time spent on watching the news can be helpful to reduce stress and anxiety. Be mindful of your thoughts. If you feel your thoughts are negative, then take a moment to reframe it to a positive one and see how that can change how you feel. Reclaim your power back with hypnosis. Remember to take one day at a time and get help if you need it. I am Mary Beth Battaglia, a certified clinical hypnosis practitioner offering online sessions at MetroHypnosisCenter.com. Hi, this is Joan Herman. Did you know that Change Your Attitude, Change Your Life publishes a free monthly digital magazine that can be read online or emailed to your inbox? Every month, nationally recognized leaders in their field provide information to educate, inspire, and motivate you. We believe in a holistic approach to life, incorporating mind, body, and spirit. Check out a copy of 24-7 Magazine, visit CYACYL.com, and be sure to tell your friends. We all want to 
to live a happy, productive life, but sometimes we just need a little help. Our Coach On Call experts provide strategies to help you live your best life now. Joining me today is Amy Collins, author of the book Infant Inspiration and creator of the online course Moms, Courageous Women Raising the Next Generation. Amy promotes thoughtful conversations around motherhood. Her insightful perspectives look to empower mothers to own their role, clarify how it works best for them, and confidently express it. She is here today to discuss the importance of self-care. Welcome, Amy. Thanks for joining us. Hello, Joan. Amy, many mothers are exhausted by our current state of affairs, so it's extremely important that we practice some form of self-care. How do you define self-care? You know, Joan, you're right. (laughs) The COVID-19 pandemic has radically changed the way we live, so navigating this new normal is really not easy. And especially for women, I don't know about you, but I've, you know, read different headlines that women are overwhelmed and exhausted more now than ever before due to taking care of more family members who've come down with coronavirus. Having more people at home now creates more housework, and it shows, you know, surveys show over and over that women still do much more of the housework. Um, an interesting headline I also saw said something like, now a working and stay-at-home mom thanks to the pandemic. So now more than ever, practicing self-care is definitely essential. And really self-care is defined um, by taking care of ourselves on all levels, emotionally, re- physically, spiritually, and mentally, our overall well-being. In fact, Um, You know, I don't know if you've seen the definition from the World Health Organization, but it defines self-care as, you know, behaviors you do to take care of your own health. And that can include hygiene, nutrition, leisure activities, sports, exercise, and even seeking professional health care services when needed, as well as much more. What are a few ways that we can practice self-care? Well, there's definitely a few essential recommendations that we all need to attend to in regards to our own self-care. And those, I would say there's four essentials. And one, Joan, is to prioritize sleep. When we're exhausted, we need to give in to that sometimes instead of constantly, you know, drinking more coffee or something, right? So Mm -hmm. sometimes it's better to just give in and take a 20-minute nap or let yourself one day just sleep without an alarm going off if you can do that. So prioritize sleep. Try to get into a sleep routine. Go to bed at the same time. Wake up at the same time every day. Second, move your body in any way that works for you. So, you know, there's not many gyms that are open right now. So turn on music, dance, jump, skip. I mean, I have to say, when you look at kids and they're skipping, right? Like, mm-hmm. think about kindergartners skipping to school in the olden days, right? Pre-pandemic. But you can't be in a bad mood when you're skipping. So even if you skip around the house or get up from your desk and do some jumping jacks. Third, be aware of what you're putting in your mouth, right? We need to make sure that we're fueling ourselves with some good food instead of just comfort food, which is really easy to do when we're all stressed and overtired or nervous. And lastly, it's really important Another essential is to take a few minutes to practice diaphragm breathing. And what that really is, is calmly breathing in through your nose and out through your mouth. And that can have immediate effects on our mental and physical state because more oxygen comes into our bodies, which helps to just immediately calm ourselves. Amy, thank you so much for joining us. If you would like to learn more about Amy, you can follow her on her Instagram page at amymcollins.mommentor. Recently, I was flipping through a toy catalog, shopping for a gift for a French child, when I stumbled upon an item that had brought hours of enjoyment to my children. It's a square box that has different shapes cut out into each side with matching pieces. The goal of the toy is for children to fit each piece into its corresponding hole, thus learning to recognize shapes and how to fit like things together. My boys spent hours placing the various shapes into their respective holes. Most times, the pieces fit together with ease, But on occasion, they would work tirelessly trying to make the wrong piece fit into the wrong hole. An oval in a circle, a square in a triangle, a rectangle in a square. As I reminisced about them sitting on the floor working at this task, I began to think about how this activity mimics what we do throughout our life, work to make the pieces fit. Hi, this is Joan Herman, here with a lesson learned while earning my PhD in life. 
Sometimes our choices fit perfectly, but other times, no matter how much energy we expend, they just don't fit. How many times have you been in a friendship or romance that didn't work out? In most situations when the breakup occurred, anger, heartbreak, and disappointment soon followed, then blame. Someone must be at fault. Someone was wrong. You tried so hard, so why couldn't it survive? Instead of being consumed with anger and resentment, did you ever stop and think that maybe, just maybe, it was simply a wrong fit and that no one is to blame? Like the pieces in the toy, each of us has an individual design derived from life experiences. We are each as unique as a circle, square, triangle, or octagon. When we make the right match, everything fits perfectly. But when we have the wrong pieces, it doesn't work, no matter how hard we push or on what angle. It would be ridiculous to say something is wrong with the circle because it didn't fit in the square. We recognize the shapes as being different, so why do we make those claims about people? Why do we assign blame to a person and then spend the rest of our life being angry and resentful, thinking about what could have been? Perhaps a new perspective would be to view each of us as the pieces of the toy, unique with our own characteristics, perfect in our design, but not always a fit, no matter how hard we try to squeeze it together and how much we want it. Perhaps looking at life experiences in this way may make it easier to let go and stop assigning blame. It may enable us to forgive and move forward. So the next time you experience the loss of a valued relationship, rather than being consumed with anger and bitterness, just release it. Try to view yourself and the other person as shapes, different from each other, but with their own purpose, beauty, and value. Perfect in their individuality, but they just don't fit. Thanks for spending these minutes with me. For more information and empowering tools, visit joanherman.com. Thank you for joining us. I hope you found the show informative. At Change Your Attitude, Change Your Life, we believe that knowledge is power. Take what you've learned, apply it, and live your best life now. Remember that the information provided is the opinion of our guest and should never replace the advice of a professional who knows your personal situation. If you'd like more information, visit our website, cyacyl.com. That stands for Change Your Attitude, Change Your Life. While on our site, listen to past shows on demand, read the digital magazine, sign up for our mailing list, and be sure to follow the show on social media. Until next time, this is Joan Herman. Thanks for tuning in. The preceding pre-recorded program sponsored by Maximilian Communications, LLC.